0: I can't stop, and I really can't stop. <laughs> I can't do this to be passed <laughs> Come on. It's been a long time since I've used this leg. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, well, I don't want what we were just experiencing to die out, so just give me a couple minutes, and I want us to get right back to where we just were. I want us to come right back to this, because I don't care how rainy it is outside. I don't care if the finals week is this week. I don't care what the enemy's been attacking your body with. I don't care what he's been attacking your family with. I don't care what he's attacking your finances the... I don't care. We're here to glorify God. He's already given us the victory. He's already given it to us. It's in our hands. He's Jehovah Nisi. That means we have the victory already. We already have it. Pastor, you flipped a switch or something. Before I get started, I just want to say my thank yous where the thank yous are due. I want to thank Pastor for this opportunity to be here. Uh, He taught this morning about the empowering of the Spirit, and I I would not be where I am today without his guidance and without his leadership uh, to access that potential, to access that authority. And so I thank you for that, Pastor. And, And since I don't get the mic very often, I just want to thank you, Church. On behalf of all of our college students, you have no idea what you mean to us, you have no idea what kind of stability, what kind of rock you give us when we walk through those doors, and we come in here because on campuses, regardless of whether you're at UGA or if you're at Athens Tech or if you're taking online classes, there are things that are attacking us. There are things that are coming against our spirits. There's doubt and intimidation and fear, and when we come in this place and we're able to have worship like we just had just now, nothing can stop us. We're unstoppable. Even even all-nighters and unhealthy amounts of caffeine, we we thank you so much for what you're able to give us. And, and plus the food, we thank you for food. We thank you, for all of you that make food for us. We wouldn't be, I would, I'd be a lot skinnier. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, before I get all emotional, if you'll, uh, if you'll stand with me for the word of the Lord. And we're gonna turn to Judges chapter 14. And I'm gonna be reading verses five through nine. Judges 14, verses five through nine. If you're with me or if you're kind of close, say Amen. Starting at verse 5, it says, Then when Samson, well, then went Samson down, and his father and his mother, to Timoth, and came to the vineyards of Timoth. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Everybody say a lion." lion. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand. He didn't tear a child apart, it was a baby goat. For all you animal lovers. But he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey, everybody say honey, in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating, and came to his father and his mother, and he gave them. And they did eat, but he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So, with the help of the Holy Ghost, and as long as this legal allow me <laughs> i want to talk to you guys for a few minutes about an unlikely vessel for honey an unlikely vessel for honey Can you just lay your bibles down and pray with me for a second lord jesus i thank you so much for this opportunity to be here for your presence That's already strong in this place lord we praise you in advance for what you're going to do and lord we ask that you touch our hearts and our minds and our spirits and help us not to just hear this word today but lord help us to apply it to our hearts help us to apply it to our minds and to our spirits and to those that Jesus we praise you for it, Jesus. In your name we pray. If I say amen. 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 You can't be seated including her cuz she's hitting me right in the feels. Oh my gosh. Well, if you're new to RIC, if you're a visitor today or if you've only been here for a couple services, there's something that you need to know and that's that this church is full of animal lovers. We have ooh, Flies so with me. We have people that are obsessed with raccoons. We have people that are obsessed with giraffes, with elephants. We have some that are obsessed with unicorns for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. They have an emoji for it, so that's all, that's all we need to know. But something that I always see on Facebook, this video's been around forever, but something that I always see is this crazy dude that's always wrestling and cuddling and playing with lions. I don't understand it. I, I'll, I'm crazy. I'll do anything, but I do not want to mess with a lion. Those, those things are huge. And I went on an AYC trip to Tanzania, and I saw a lion by himself tear up a wildebeest that was running from him. No, I don't, I don't want to cuddle with that. I do not want to play with that. I don't, I don't care if they declaw him or take out his teeth. He's just, I mean, that's 490 pounds of lion. I don't, that's too much. That's too much. But I was watching... The video regardless of how many times it's posted I was watching the video a couple months ago and, and something that I noticed Is that in the comments everybody was saying Over and over again This guy is so lucky This guy is so like I, I wish I could do what he's doing right now I would pay anything To play with a lion And I'm just I, I'm like I wish there was a dislike button, button Or like a, like a frowny face emoji Or something that I could that I'd be like No stop it you're going to die You're going to die you're going to die and, and then, of course, as, as all of us young ministers are, when we see a message that can come out of something, we're like, okay, all right, uh-huh. all right this works. I can, I can work with this. And, and something that I noticed is that in today's society, we're getting way too comfortable with the enemy. We're getting way too comfortable. We see people. We see people on our campuses. We see them in our high schools. We see them middle school and elementary school. Those kids are demons. They're, there's crazy stuff our kids see in, at those ages. And, and people are just getting so comfortable. They're, they're so comfortable with, with pushing the limit with what they can do before they're in danger. And I'm not just talking about skydiving and cliff diving because that's stuff I do want to do. I'm, I'm talking about compromises that you make, the things that pastor has warned us about, the things that our youth pastor has warned us about, things that are going to eventually devour us. And we don't even know it because all we see is just this big, giant shag rug in front of us. We're just like, hey, lion. We want to play with it. It's so cute. And what I fear is that so many people are going to lose their potential. They're going to lose their opportunity to do great things for God because they're playing with lions. They're getting too comfortable with lions. They're getting way too comfortable. They're like, I can get this close, and he may be tied up. This is as far as the rope will let him reach. I can stand right here, and I can, I can maybe pet him a little. I can, I can maybe talk to him a little and be like, hello, Leo. Hey. You're so cute. Look at those claws. You could cut through me, but you're adorable. I don't understand it. So, for all of you lion lovers, because I know some of you are already mad at me, I'm going to give you my argument, not, and this isn't just because I hate cats, those of you that know, I, I do hate cats, but I want to give you guys a little bit of information about the lion. A lion can weigh, as I said, up to 490 pounds. Its teeth, it's four canines. Those are, for those of you that don't know, those are the, those are the fangs, the long ones. The canines, they can reach up to four and a half inches long and a lion can open open its jaws to more than a foot wide. So all you fluffy people, you're in danger too, I'm sorry. (laughs) The claws of a lion, the claws can reach from two and a half to three inches long. And this this is where it gets interesting, because a lion, it's superior beyond its physicality. A lion's eyes have pupils that are three times as big as ours, and at night, a reflective coating on the back of their eye helps to reflect moonlight. So this makes a lion's vision eight times better than that of a human. So basically, they have built-in night vision goggles. That's how cool God is when he created these lions. But something that I was thinking about is that these lions can see at night. And this is why our enemy is even more likely to attack your heart. They're more likely to attack your mind and your spirit when you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing late at night. Ooh. Like Jake has preached, you got to stay out of the woods. It gets dark in there. Because you see, God isn't the only one that can see what you're doing when you're by yourself, when you're alone in your car, or in your room, in the dark. God's not the only one that can see you. He's not the only one that can see what you're scrolling through on your phone, what you're listening to. Ooh, too soon. Where you're going or what you're doing with someone when you're alone in the darkness. Ooh, I don't think you guys are going to like me. I'm not even to my second page yet. A lion's sense of smell. The lion has something called a Jacobson's organ. And this is a small area in the roof of the mouth that allows a lion to taste smells in the air. And so I thought this was really interesting because I just thought lions were weird and they made weird faces. But whenever you see a picture in National Geographic of a lion with its face all scrunched up, he's not holding back a sneeze. He's not holding back bad wildebeest he ate a few hours ago what he's doing is he's literally tasting the air. And this is interesting to me because there are people, and you guys are already angry with me, so I'm not going to name names, but there are people that come into church services and they think that it's enough to come in and just bask in the aroma of the sweet spirit of the Holy Ghost. They think it's enough to just show up and be like, you know what? If I stand in the altar, a little close to where Shelby and Jessica and Bibiana are shouting, if I kind of stand by them, Kind of take it like those perfume papers and magazines. Just, all right, if I can just, if I can get enough to smell good for a couple hours, nobody will know what's wrong with me. Nobody will know what I'm really like on the inside. But let me tell you something. The enemy, he can literally taste the air. That's how acute his sense of smell is. And when you try leaving this place and you're being attacked and you're getting angry at God because you're saying, why am I being attacked? Why am I having these things come against me? And it's because you're doing the bare minimum. All you're doing is showing up. And you're just getting the smell of the Holy Spirit on you. That's all you're doing. You're not going any deeper. But all you're doing is getting enough. And you think, all right, pastor can't smell this rotten, bad habit that I've got. Jake can't smell this, this rotten website that I can't stop going to. You know, my friends, they, they can't smell the bad music that I'm listening to. You know what? If I just smile, if I, if I shout a little, I'll be good. But there's an enemy out there that's prowling. And I don't say this to scare you, but it's here to, I'm here to warn you that there's an enemy and he's waiting outside those church doors. And he knows when you're in here and you're doing the bare minimum and you're, not, and you're letting your pride get in the way of getting what you need. You don't want to be vulnerable in front of your youth group. You don't want to be vulnerable in front of your pastor. And because of that, you're putting yourself in danger of the enemy. And so, now that you don't want to mess with lions anymore, I want to go to Samson. Because you see, Samson... Samson was a little cocky. Samson was like, hey, I'm a Nazarite, bro. I'm super swole. You can't touch me. I'm super swole. But what you have to see with Samson here in Judges 14 is this lion didn't just attack out of anywhere. This lion wasn't just hanging around in a vineyard. That's a weird place for a lion to be. The lion was there because God was wanting to give Samson a reality check. He was going to say, all right, hold on, Samson. You're good-looking, but you're not that good-looking. You're strong, but you're not that strong. So I need to test you right now. And so all of these things with the lion that I just told you about, those are all the things that Samson was up against. A regular man, just like us, he had to go up against this 490-pound behemoth, which was interesting to me because this lion was a perfect foil to Samson. Because as I was talking about, this lion was the perfect enemy to fight Samson, to test his strength. Because the lion, he was able to smell. He was like, okay, this guy, he's tempted. He's going to visit a Philistine woman, a pagan woman. He's wanting to marry her. This guy is weak. He's vulnerable. And he may be with the authority of God, but I can get this guy. That's what the lion was seeking after because lions go for the weakest in the herd. And also you have to see that Samson, it says in verse 5 that he was with his father and mother. But within just one verse, he wandered away from them. And let me warn you right now, church, you're going to be tempted to wander away from the direction of your parents. You're going to be tempted to wander away from the direction of pastor, the one that's been given the authority to speak into your life. You'll be tempted to wander away from what Jake has told you is best and safest for you. But Samson, he had that arrogance. He had that confidence. He said, you know what? I'm Samson. I'll just walk through if I want. And this is one other thing that's interesting. I haven't even gotten to the lion attack yet. But this is another thing that's interesting about Samson and that we have to be incredibly careful of is that Samson was unarmed. That's how arrogant he was and how confident he was in himself. Not in God, in himself. He was unarmed. I don't need a sword. I don't need a knife. I don't need a gun. (laughs) Can you imagine biblical warfare with guns? Wow. But Samson was unarmed and that meant that he was vulnerable to attack. That meant that the claws... They were going to be able to reach him. The teeth, they were, able to, they were going to be able to grasp around him. And so, I hope you guys can see that Samson, there is no way that he could have defeated this lion by himself. There's no way with his own flesh, his own muscle, regardless of how big this guy was, he was not going to be able to take out this lion by himself. That's why it says, let me go to my Bible here. And that's why it says in Judges 14 at 6, It says, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. You see, it wasn't until after the spirit came on Samson that he was able to rent the lion as he would have rent a kid, as he would have rent just a little baby goat. He didn't stand a chance. It doesn't say that Samson wrestled with him for a while, that, you know, God was standing there and he was like, hey, he's doing all right. Go, buddy. Go, buddy. Oh, okay. Go, go, buddy. Go. It wasn't like that. Samson was going to die. Samson was going to get his throat ripped out. But God supernaturally intervened and he said, now you're ready. Now you're ready to take on the Philistine. Now you're ready to be a judge for my people. Now you're ready to do the great things that I've called you to do, that I've put on your life. And so it wasn't until the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson that he was able to defeat the lion. And so I want you guys today, I want you to think about Samson and I want you to look and kind of do a self-check on yourself. Because when you're at your weakest... And when you're at your most vulnerable moments, the enemy is going to attack you. Whether it's it's a season where you just carelessly forget to get your armor of God, like Samson forgot to arm himself, or if you're being disobedient, or if you're being careless, or if you're being arrogant, or if you're being rebellious, an attack is inevitable from a lion. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. David, a man after God's own heart, He even spoke of his enemies this way in Psalm 22 and 13. He said, They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. In Psalm 35 and 17, he then says, Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling from the lions. In Psalm 57 and 4 says, My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue is sharp sword. And so... I come before you today not just excited because of the praise break we had before I came up here. I'm not just excited because I'm getting to hold a microphone. I'm not excited about this word because I saw something that you guys don't already know. I'm excited because we already have victory over the enemy today. I don't care how many lions you've already battled. I don't care how many lions you're currently battling. I don't care what lions are to come when you walk out of these doors. I know, and the word says. It's not just me. The word says that we already have victory over the lions because of Jesus Christ. Psalm 58 and 6 says, Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of young lions, O Lord. Psalm 91 and 13 says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under your feet. Nahum 2 and 13 says, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots in the smoke, and the sword shall devour thy young lions. And so you heard it right there, folks. I don't care how long the teeth are. I don't care how sharp the claws are. I don't care how many lions there are. I don't care how big the lions are. The word says right here that we have the victory over lions. We have the victory over fear. We have the victory over intimidation. We have victory over anything that could come against us in these last days. We have the victory already. It's promised to us. It's not, there's no fine print. It doesn't say... Okay, you have to train for a certain amount of time to be able to defeat a lion. She, she got the Holy Ghost last week. She can kill a lion just as much as Elijah can. Elijah's the size and strong as a lion. But she can kill a lion because of what she received last week. That's what you have to look forward to. But today, I don't want to just talk about the lion. I don't want to just get all excited about defeating lions and then, and then let you guys go. Because there are some of you in here that already have that confidence. You were clapping to things just now that you already knew. And you just sat down back in your seat and you said, Yeah, Zach, we have lions, but I have like 50 lions that are coming against me right now. And I'm tired. I've got claw marks. I've got teeth marks. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm dealing with when I'm not sitting in this pew. You don't know what I'm going through when I'm not up here in the choir. You don't know what I'm going through when I'm teaching in Sunday school. And and I'm with you on that. I'm with you on, on how bad these lions can be. But I want to tell you guys why we can have faith. I want to tell you guys why we can have confidence that the victory is going to come through for us. Because there's something that's going to come. There's a promise that's coming after your victory. Regardless of how many lions, regardless of how big, regardless how long. Some of you may have been battling this lion for years. You may have been battling it on behalf of someone in your family for years. But let me tell you something there's going to be a promise of sustenance, and there's going to be a promise of restoration after you defeat that lion. I want you to listen to this. Let's go back to Judges 14, verses 8 through 9. It says, And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey. Everybody say honey. In the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. And so, in case you missed it just now, and in case you didn't get my hint when I had you all say honey, make sure you were awake. But according to the word, you're not just going to kill this lion. You're not just going to kill the lion and, and then have to go back to that state you're in where you're exhausted from battling the, the lion. There's more to come. And it's going to be a vessel for which you're going to receive honey. Because you see, in verse 8, we read that Samson finds the carcass of the lion he killed. But. It's not just sitting there like rotten roadkill like you would suppose. It's not just sitting there, you know, with all guts hanging out. It didn't, didn't look nasty. Because in order for the bees to create the honeycomb and the honey that Samson would eventually eat, the lion's body had to be picked clean of all the meat and all the guts. And the sun had to have time to bleach out those bones so that there was nothing left. It was, it was just, just, a, just a slight reminder of what used to be there. But it was enough to where life could happen. It was enough to where restoration can come, where energy and fuel can come. Because you see, your enemy is going to have the same fate when you have your victory. When the battle is over, you don't have to worry about being reminded about your past because the past is going to be gone. You may have battled addiction, but when the devil comes and whispers in your ear and says, hey, you remember how you were when you were on this stuff? You remember how you felt? You remember that, that I've never taken drugs. I don't know how it makes you feel. That that, that it made you feel? You know what? You should go back to that. But listen to this. Even after that battle, even when you're being tempted later on, all you have to do is look back and say, hey devil, I don't see anything there but a vessel of honey. I don't see anything there except a source for something that I can eat, something that I can get energy from, something that's sweet, something that's not bitter for me but something that's a reminder that there's a God whose grace is sufficient. There's a God whose mercy is everlasting. There's a God who's going to remind me whenever I'm weak that, hey, just take a bite of that honey, honey. Take a bite of that honey and you're going to be revitalized. You're going to be stronger. This is why Psalm 119 and 103 says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That honey is always going to restore you. It's going to refuel you. It's going to feed your faith. It's going to be your biblical five hour energy right there. That thing that you used to have to fight, that thing that used to attack you, that thing that used to gnaw on you. It's all gone. The meat is gone. The bones are bleached. All that's left is a pot of honey for all you Winnie the Pooh fans. It's going to be what gives you energy when you're trying to grow in your walk with God. It's going to be what gives you energy when you need to pray on your face at the altar for just a little while longer when you're trying to get what you came for. It's going to give you the energy to keep reading your Bible when you're tired from working all day and you don't think you can get past a couple of verses. It's going to give you energy when you, when you feel tired and you don't want to go to outreach on Saturday. Uh-oh. I wasn't there, so I could say that. <laughs> but listen, there are going to be times when you're wanting to do something for God, when you're wanting to go above and beyond your expectations that society has for you. But your flesh is weak. You need something that comes from a supernatural source. You need something to give you energy. And that's what that honey is. That's why the lion, when you see a lion chomping at your heels, when, you, when you're running from a lion, you're about to give up. I want you to look back and I want you to say, hey, you're not going to be around for much longer. You're about to be a honey pot for me. You're about to be an unexpected vessel for honey. You're about to give me strength. And you're about to be a reminder of what's to come. And if that hasn't convinced you, I want to point out one other thing to you. We already know that in 1 Peter 5 and 8, and this is something that we always quote, this is something that we always go to, but I want you to hear something. I want, I want to read it to you again, but with verse 9 right after it. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Did you catch that? It said, knowing that the same afflictions, those lions that attacked you, there are people out there that need that honey. They need that source of life. They're battling things. And and if you think you're tired, if you think that you are going through something right now, just imagine how somebody that doesn't have God is feeling right now. There are college students that I've passed myself, that I've talked to myself. They're dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and intimidation. And we do too. Amen. College, college students, we all do it. All of us here. I'm one. But listen to me. Whenever I come down here for prayer, whenever I'm sitting and listening to Pastor, whenever I'm sitting and listening to Jake, whenever I'm even listening to Sister Candy on the keyboard and I'm listening to the choir, that's my dipping into the pot of honey. I'm saying, hey, I'm battling this lion right now, but I know that there's, a, there's more to come. The best is yet to come. And that's our responsibility because there are afflictions... The same afflictions that our brethren are coming up against. And if you remember in Judges 14, Sam, Samuel, (laughs) Samson, he didn't keep all that honey for himself. I would have wanted to. I love honey. PB and honey, best sandwich ever. Great with chili. Try it. But it says, just shortly after that, that Samson, he shared it with his mom and dad. He said, hey, God gave me something, something supernatural. Honey's not supposed to come out of a lion carcass, but I've got it. And this is so good. That I want to share it. This is so good that I want to share it with my family. This is so good I want to share it with my coworkers. This is so good I want to share it with my friends that are in class with me. This is so good I want to share it to that guy in the lunch line that I don't like. Uh, this is so good that I want to share this with the guy that I just cut off and he's yelling at me. It's our responsibility. It's just as Pastor was talking about in Sunday school. When we're empowered, it's not just for us to enjoy, it's not just for us to, to benefit from, to enjoy the sweetness. Because there is nothing like the presence of God. I love it. I want to make church 24 hours, 365. I just want, I I wouldn't mind being here. I mean, I'd bring a change of clothes or else you guys wouldn't want to be here. (laughs) But listen, we can't enjoy this for ourselves. We can't just enjoy it for ourselves. We can't get comfortable enjoying the honey for ourselves because if you look around, there are seats. And each of those empty seats is a reminder that there's somebody out there that doesn't have access to that honey. Each of these empty seats, that should hurt your heart. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But each of these empty seats, that person right there on that row, that's somebody that's battling addiction right now. And they're out there. They're in downtown Athens. They're on campus. They're in Winterville. That's an empty seat. That's somebody that needs access to the honey that we are able to draw from every Sunday, every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday. At the field. Thursdays at 6.30. Everywhere. We need to be sure that we're sharing the message. This is why Psalms 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And let me tell you something. RAC has so much promise for an explosive and an unstoppable revival. Because this isn't just a shelter from the storm. This isn't just a building where we gather to praise and worship and hear awesome music. This is a storehouse full of vessels of honey because each and every one of you have a testimony. Each and every one of you have been delivered from something. Each and every one of you have been brought through something. Jake, listen, that's why I like Mission 1615 so much because when we're out there spreading the gospel, when we're out there, we're not just talking about the word. We're talking about our own testimony. We're talking about what God has done for us. We're talking about where we used to be because there are going to be people that we're going to try and share the gospel with And they're not going to want to hear the word of God because of bitterness, because of anger, because of stubbornness. That's not all of what Mission 1615 is. Sharing the gospel is talking about how it's affected us. That's how we share the honey that we pull from the carcass of that lion. That's what we do when we pull the honey from that unexpected vessel. Because you see, when we're doing outreach, we're not just handing out church cards. We're saying, if it wasn't for the Lord, where would I be? If it wasn't... For the Lord, I'd be addicted to drugs, I'd be addicted to alcohol, I'd be addicted to pornography. But now you can taste and see that the Lord is good. If it wasn't for the Lord, I'd be bound by the music, movies, and media of this world. But now you can taste and see that the Lord is good. If it wasn't for the Lord, I'd be battling depression, I'd be battling anxiety, I'd be battling suicidal thoughts. But if it wasn't for the Lord, I would have been bound, but now you can taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not done yet, guys. I'm not just talking about spiritual warfare. I'm not just talking about things that come against your mind. I'm not talking about things that come against your spirit. The honey, it remedies physical ailments too. Those of you that have been battling sickness for so long, those of you that have been battling disease, those of you that have been battling cancer, chronic pain, arthritis, an ingrown toenail, I don't care what you've been coming up against because right down here at this altar, there's honey. There are vessels of honey for you to come to. And I know that you're weary from battle. I know your body is weary. I know your spirit is weary. I know it takes a lot for you just to raise your hands and worship. But let me tell you something. God has brought me through some crazy things. I'm up here right now. I'm jumping right now. Torn ACL, torn meniscus. I don't care. I don't care. And it wasn't the physical therapist either. That guy's a bozo. He told me I wouldn't be doing this yet. But I said, hey, dude. I'm preaching on Sunday, and I've got a God who delivered me. I've got a God who's better than any surgeon. I've got a God who's better than any orthoscopic surgery. I've got a God who's better than any physical therapist. I'm sorry, Travis. I know that's what you're wanting to do, but listen to me. All you have to do is access that honey. All you have to do is come on your knees one more time and grab hold of this honey. Your healing is coming. Your promise is coming. I already talked about victory. But I'm not just talking about victory today. I'm talking about your sustenance. I'm talking about your restoration. Your spirit will be refilled. Your spirit will be restored. He can do it. He can do it. I don't care what you've done. Samson broke his Nazarite vow by going into that vineyard. He hadn't even encountered the lion yet. He was already breaking the rules. But God still spared him. He was like, hey, he has a calling. I can still use him. I don't care how stubborn he is. I don't care how dumb he is for walking into a vineyard without a sword. What are you doing, bro? I don't care because I know that he can do something for my people. Church, it is about time that we stop seeing these lions as a threat. Instead, we see them as an opportunity to glorify God and his kingdom. Because these are the last days. And if we want to see revival come, it's up to us to distribute the honey. God can make it. He can. He, there's gobs of it. He's the best beekeeper I ever, I've ever known. But we've got honey up to the ceiling right now. Yes. And what are you doing to give it out to people? What are you doing? It's just going to get sticky. Carpet's going to get sticky. All the clean freaks are going to freak out. We need to get this honey out of here. We need to do what we can to impact people. Another example of a lion slayer in the Bible, and he's one of my favorites, is David. David. That's the first time I've ever drank water out of a mug. I thought, that's some wheat coffee. (laughs) Maybe over the last few weeks or months, years, you've been frustrated because you haven't wandered like Samson did. You haven't wandered off the path. You haven't wandered into a vineyard. You've been doing everything you were supposed to. You were doing everything. You're saying, Zach, listen to me. I'm coming to church. I'm here right now. I'm reading my bread program. I hope you guys are still reading your bread program. That goes well with honey. Brendan honey. That wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> but listen, you may be doing everything seemingly exactly right. You may be reading your Bible, you may be praying, you may be fasting, you may be doing outreach, you may be coming to the field. Thursday, six thirty. You may be doing everything you can to go above and beyond, but there's still lions attacking you. And David, he was one of the coolest dudes I know. He was one of the guys closest to God ever in the Bible. But he had a lion come against him, and he was young too. So this is for you, young people. This is for you, kids. Not baby goats, actual kids this time. I want to encourage you today, though, because you may be fighting a lion right now. You may be getting frustrated. You may be angry. But when that lion is killed, when you're able to take that honey out of there, you're going to do even bigger things, literally. David, this is what it says in First Samuel 17, 34 through 37. Said, and David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth, and he rose against me. I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine yeah. and Saul said unto David, go. And then this is the important part that a lot of people overlook. He doesn't just say go like a regular king would. He says go and let the Lord be with me. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. David had some honey yeah. but it wasn't just to strengthen him for that battle with Goliath because you know, just between you and me, I think that David would have been a little more scared to fight that giant if he hadn't already killed a lion and a bear. Yeah. That wasn't just chance. God sent those for him to fight. Yeah. But listen to me. The honey wasn't just for David, it was for Saul as well. Because Saul, he was just as scared as all those lily-livered soldiers out there listening to Goliath rant and rave about he could be better than God. Are you kidding me? Saul was able to say, go and let the Lord be with thee. He had tasted some of that honey that David had access to. He said, I don't know who this punk little kid is. I don't know who he thinks he is, but let me tell you something. He's got something. He's got something that I, as a king over Israel and anointed by a prophet, something I don't have. And so when David was alone in the fields, he was doing everything he could to glorify God. He's been doing exactly what you guys are doing. He was working. He was working in the area that he was supposed to be in in that season of his life. And he was working, and he was watching the sheep. He, didn't, he probably didn't want to do it. But while he was out there, he was writing psalms. He was singing praises to God. He was praying, and he was talking with God. That's where he built his relationship with God before all the other great things that he did. And let me tell you something, church. You may be fighting something right now, but just look at David. You're going to kill this lion, and then you're going to see so many greater things happen. God's going to be able to give you so much more responsibility. He's going to open so many more doors. You're not even going to be able to fathom it. You're not even going to be able to imagine it. You're just going to be like, God, what what in the world? My whole family is here, saved and walking with God. That statement of faith right there, that honey will make that happen. That honey will make it happen. It was because David was faithful that he was able to kill the lion and the bear. He was just like Samson. He was just a a man. He was just a boy. He wasn't anything special. All he had was a sling and some stones, but he was still able to kill a lion because of the anointing of God. It was because David was faithful that he was able to receive his vessel of honey, and it was because of that vessel that he was able to confirm the anointing that he had when Samuel declared him king of Israel. That vessel contained honey that he would eventually share with King Saul and then use to sustain himself in different battles The vessel contained honey that would feed his faith while he was on the run from Saul as he tried to kill him because he knew, hey, this kid has a chance to be king. But David didn't give up because he had an access to some honey. Now, this is when it gets good. The vessel contained honey that would help David get back up to his feet after he had committed adultery and after his son that was born as a result of that adultery passed away. You see, like Pastor was talking about, we're going to be tempted There are going to be things that are coming against us. There are going to be things that are going to try and take us down. David was attacked by a lion, and he forgot for a brief second about that pot of honey that he had back there. You guys can't afford to forget about your pot of honey. You can't afford to forget about that source of life that you have. You can't afford to do that because you will fall. But listen to me. If you're sitting in here, and you've made mistakes, and you barely dragged yourself in here today because you're embarrassed and you feel guilt, I want to tell you right now that that's a lion standing right there. That's a lion of guilt and shame, and he's challenging you right now. But, I'm going to borrow whoever's Bible this is, because I have an iPad, I'm a heathen. You've got the sword of the Spirit. You've been armed, you've been equipped, you've been anointed, and you've got some access to some honey. God's brought you through some things, and even when you mess up that same honey, when you come back down here, and you're crying, and you're sobbing, and you're on your face, and you take a scoop of that honey in your hands, and you eat it, then you're going to have the strength to take the sword, kill the lion. That line has nothing on you. I don't care what you did. Sin is sin. And I want to encourage you today that even if you haven't messed up really badly, if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, if you feel like you've just been doing the same things over and over again, if you're getting frustrated, not even if you're not frustrated with God, if you're frustrated with yourself, if you're letting doubt attack you, let me tell you that your faith can come in the form of honey. And if you look back and you think about... Sorry. Sorry. If you look back and you think about what God has done for you, if you look back and you think about, hey, I used to be bound by this, and that lion was killed, so this lion has nothing on me. Hey, I used to, I used to gossip. I used to, I used to talk about people. I used to spread bitterness. But I'm not like that anymore. And I've got this honey. And when I'm tempted to tell a juicy story about someone, I'm not going to do it because I've got the honey to remind me. 1 Peter 1 and 7 says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So right now, you may be battling with these things, but let me reassure you, if you just fight for a little while longer, there's a promise of some honey. You may be battling with intimidation and fear as you try to get more involved with outreach. Handing out a card to somebody may be the most terrifying thing you've ever done, but let me tell you something, that you're going to be able to share the honey with that person you invite. When they walk through those doors and they blow your mind and they walk through those doors and they say, hey, is this it? Is this Restoration Apostolic Church? I heard there was honey here. I heard there was restoration here. I heard that there was healing here. I heard that there was deliverance here. You may be battling with things that are out of your control. You may be battling with financial problems. You may be buying gas with oxidized pennies, nickels, and dimes to get gas like I did this morning. (laughs) That's right, pennies, nickels, and dimes to get gas. I did it. You may be battling financial problems. You may be battling with student financial aid. You may be battling with a job search right now. You may be battling with things that you don't even want to tell people in here about financially. But let me tell you something. God is a provider. He's not just a healer. He's not just a deliverer. He's a provider, and that honey will sustain you for just a little while longer. I'm telling you, church, these promises aren't impossible. I know it's easy to think that it's impossible because the way this, the mentality that this world has, they're getting comfortable with lions. They're saying, hey, it's okay. I can pet this lion, and, and I can dress this way, and I'm fine. I can do these things, and I'm fine. I can say these things. I can watch these things. I can listen to these things, and I'm fine. But let me tell you something. Those people that are being influenced by lions, we have a greater authority than they do. And so you may have to battle to get into this place sometimes. You may have the teeth marks like I was talking about. You may have the claw marks on your back. You may have some scars from past battles that you got through. But when people are receiving the Holy Ghost, when people are being baptized in the sweet, precious name of Jesus Christ, when people are being delivered from drug addiction, from alcohol addiction, from porn addiction, when people are being delivered from fear and doubt and anxiety and depression, all these things, when people, when you're seeing them taste the honey for the first time... Let me tell you something. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. That's why the word of God is called sweet. Because when you see somebody crying in these altars, speaking in tongues for the first time, that's joy unspeakable, right there, honey. They're having the honey, honey. They're going through there, and they're and they're they're getting re-energized, and they're getting refueled, and they're saying, "Hey, when I walk through those doors, I'm going to be different. I'm going to have energy. I'm going to have strength." And those things that used to keep me bound, I'm going to be able to push not only past them, but past the ones that are standing in front of my family, the ones that are standing in front of my friends. All we're going to be able to do is just stand here in awe in the sweet presence of God and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is my last example. I promise I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I love the word of God. I'm just going to put that out there. I love this. God is so cool, the stuff he puts in here. Beniah. Some of you may not know who Benaiah is, but Beniah, for those of you Bible fanatics, I hope you all are Bible fanatics, but Beniah, he, he was called one of the three mighties. He was one of David's best soldiers. And what's interesting about Beniah is that he was worse off than David was when he was being chased by Saul, when he was being chased and, and fleeing for his life. Benaiah and David met because Beniah was nothing more than a destitute man that had piles and piles of debt That's all he was. He had no family. It was just him and others that were like him that joined David. But listen to this. David, that same honey that he was able to show Saul, that same honey he was able to give to Benaiah. And because of David's testimony, Benaiah did great things. 2 Samuel 23 and 20 says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. Now that's, that's cool. He wasn't just fighting lion-like men, but there's something different about Benaiah here. There's something crazy, a good kind of crazy, about Benaiah here. Because you see, it says, he went down and slew the lion. This lion didn't come out of nowhere. This lion wasn't unexpected. It was trapped in a pit on a snowy day. I would have just left the lion there. But Benaiah, he had had eaten some honey from David, and he said, there's a lion down there, and I have the power, I have the authority, I have the ability to kill this lion. And I've been reading about this, and biblical commentators and theologians are baffled about this. They never say anything about why Benaiah did what he did. They never are able to find an explanation as to why Benaiah would be crazy enough to go all, you know, daredevil, and go down there and kill this lion. But let me tell you something. I'm no Bible theologian, but I know why Benaiah went down there. He wasn't in imminent danger. He wasn't even with anybody that he had to protect or show off for. But the reason why Beniah went down there and killed that lion was because he knew that there would be somebody that didn't have access, that didn't have the ability, the strength to kill that lion, and that lion was going to come upon someone and kill them someday. Listen to this. I believe that Benaiah went and slew that lion because he had eaten some of that honey from David's testimony. And as he was walking along, it does, the Bible doesn't say where he was going, but I would assume that he was either going to a battle or going or leaving a battle. He was by himself, so he had his weapon. He was prepared, and he was walking along, and he saw this lion, he said, hey, if I don't do something, that lion is going to kill somebody else. If I don't do what David did and kill that lion, somebody else is going to come upon this lion and be trapped and attacked by it. And so, what I love about Beniah is that this battle, this amazing thing that he did, was something that no one else would know about until after his life, when they were recording 2 Samuel and 2 Chronicles. Nobody knew about this. He wasn't doing it for the glory. He wasn't doing it for himself. He wasn't doing it to walk around like the rock in Hercules and have a, a lion cloak on. That, that wasn't the attitude that Beniah had. It was because of the honey in David's testimony It was because he was seeing that he needed to protect somebody. And that's what we've been called to do. We've been called to be protectors. There are going to be people that we encounter. There are people that come into Sunday school, that come into this service, that show up at outreach. There are going to be people that are weak, and they're in no shape to fight a lion. But you, that have been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, you have the strength, you have the power, you have the authority to kill that lion for them. Don't just stand idly by. Because we're supposed to have a spirit of courage, not fear. It would be so easy to just leave, walk away, just be like, oh, the lion's in a pit, it's good. Listen, I've seen one scary movie in my life before. I'm never going to do it again. But in that scary movie, they just ignored the bad guy that was in there. I would have killed him if I had the chance. (laughs) Because you don't want anybody else to be in the face of danger. And this is what's awesome. This is what I want to encourage you guys with tonight, today. Because Beniah, because he was humble about it, because he did just what God had called him to do. God opened up doors, and he opened opportunities for him. If you keep reading, and if you do really concentrated research about Benaiah, you'll read in 2 Samuel 23 and 23 that he was put in charge of David's guard. And then you can read later on that he was promoted to be in command of David's mercenary forces. He oversaw the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and those were just non-Jewish mercenaries. They were really bad dudes. Benaiah then helped make Solomon king. Because when David swore that his son Solomon would be king, Solomon's half-brother, Adonijah, declared himself king while David was still alive. But Benaiah stayed loyal, and he fully backed Solomon. It was because of Benaiah, it was because of him, because of his warrior mentality, because of his unwillingness to give up, that he was protecting God's anointed. And you can read that in 1 Kings. His mercenary army was actually the one that escorted Solomon to his coronation. They were the secret service under Benaiah. And Benaiah is the one who kills off the men who oppose Solomon. And then that included an entire army under the commander of Joab. And then eventually Benaiah, he became Solomon's general. He was the leader of the entire army of the children of Israel. Can you imagine that? Being nothing more than a little farmer that was in debt, just following along David, following along with David. And all of a sudden, God provided for him. And God was saying, listen... You went above and beyond what I called you to do. Listen, you went above and beyond, and you weren't intimidated by the lion, and you killed it, and now this is the honey that you're going to be able to draw from. And so similarly, you're going to battle lions, and listen, nobody's going to know about it. There are going to be some battles, secret battles, that you're going to come up against. And I'm not just talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about things like discouragement. Because listen, you're going to be praying for people by yourself in your room. You're going to be praying for lost sons and daughters. You're going to be praying for lost brothers and sisters. You're going to be praying for lost friends. You're going to be praying for people that used to sit and worship with you. And and you're praying on their behalf. You're fasting on their behalf. You're pleading and you're praying and you're crying. And those are just secret battles. That's a lion you're battling for someone else. Somebody's stuck in a pit with a lion right now and you're battling it. And some people may not know about it, but I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. Those prayers that you're crying every night for your son, daughter, brother, sister, anybody, It's not in vain because God is going to provide the seasons of fasting that you go through because you have a burden for missions, because you have a burden for campus ministry, because you have a burden for children's ministry. Those seasons of fasting, they're not in vain. You may feel like you're battling for no reason. You may feel like you're battling a lion for no reason. You may feel like that you're just battling a lion in a pit all by yourself with nobody to see. But let me tell you something. God's going to honor that. And he's going to say, listen, listen, buddy, you go back to that honey and you be restored and you be strengthened because the best is yet to come. You're going to be teaching Bible studies and you're going to teach week, teach, teach weeks of Bible studies. Some, and something may not even happen with them, but you're fighting a lion on their behalf. You're fighting a lion in a pit on their behalf. You may invite somebody to church over and over again. They may get sick of it, but listen, they don't know it, but you're fighting a lion on their behalf. There's a lion in a pit trying to come after them and you're fighting for it. You're fighting for them. You may spend hours on the phone with someone. You may spend hours texting someone. You may spend hours... Facebook messaging, Instagram messaging, whatever kind of messaging there is. You may be spending hours doing that, reaching out to someone because they're just hanging on to nothing. But that's not in vain because you're fighting a lion for their behalf. Let me tell you something, church. Whatever you're doing, whatever lions you're battling in the secret places, the best is yet to come. Because it may be in vain to you, but when those people are in church and then when God opens doors for you to minister, when you are able to finally go into the missions field, when you are finally able to see amazing things happen in your campus ministry, when you're finally able to start a P7 club, when you're finally able to see even more children filled with the Holy Ghost after a children's service, when you're able to see homeless people in downtown Athens filled with the Holy Ghost walking through the streets, speaking in tongues, not even knowing what's hit them, when you're able to see students walking to class speaking in tongues, they don't know what's hit them, but by golly, they're going to speak in tongues and they're going to spread it like wildfire. Listen to me, church. You may have some secret battles going on right now. You may be doing some things that we don't even know about, but God is going to honor it. And when that lion is finally killed, not only are you going to be able to eat that honey and be restored, but that person you were fighting on behalf for, you're going to see them saved and walking with God. That's how we can make that statement of faith happen. I'm with pastor on this. It's not just magic words. It's not just a ritual. It's not just a habit we go through when we take up offering. That's confirmation that we believe in the unlikely vessel for honey. I'm about to close, I promise. This is my very last thing I'm going to say. Numbers 13, 31 for 33. This is talking about the children of Israel. It says, But the men went up with him, said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw it in her are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come up the giants, and we were in our own sight, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So we were in their sight. And then if you skip to Numbers 14, 22 through 23, because of their unfaithfulness, it says in verse 22, Because of all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now. These ten times they have not hearkened to hear my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Do you see what the children of Israel did here? They were so intimidated by the giants that were in front of them that they didn't see the land of milk and honey beyond. They were so intimidated by the giants and they had forgotten about the lions that had already been killed in Egypt. They were they had completely lost sight. Notice that they were wanting to go back to Egypt. They were wanting to go back to the the food of the Egyptians, not honey from God, the food of the Egyptians. And let me tell you something, and you can stand with me, I'm about to close. But let me tell you something, there are people in here right now that aren't filled with the Holy Ghost. There are people in here right now that need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. And I feel it in my spirit right now that you're thinking in your mind, you're saying, God, God, this isn't for me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been battling. Let me tell you something, Saints, those of you that are filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, there are people in here. You may see vessels upon vessels of honey right now, but all some people in here are seeing right now are lions standing right here in the altar, daring them to come down here and collect their victory, daring them to come and collect that honey. That's all they can see. And let me tell you something for those of you that have been filled with the Holy Ghost and you're battling something right now, I want to tell you something, honey. Honey is not intended to be a meal replacement. If you read in in biblical history, you guys know I'm a history nerd. Some of you are probably thinking he's going to work in history somehow. But in biblical history, soldiers, the children of Israel, before they would go into battle, they would eat honey. In case you didn't know, it wasn't a full meal so that it wouldn't limit them in their movements while they were fighting. But it was enough of a sugar source to give them the energy to fight. The energy to keep swinging that sword when they were outnumbered as often the, the Israelites were, outnumbered. That means that when those spies, the ten spies, when they didn't want to go into the, the land of milk and honey, all they saw were giants. They said, hey, we, we, we're not strong enough. We can't do this. And that's why they're so. That's why Joshua and Caleb were so frustrated, because they knew what honey meant. They were men of war. Joshua was a man of war. Caleb was a man of war. And when Moses kept telling the children of Israel over and over again, "This is the land of milk and honey." They didn't see that as a place where they were going to be filled and full. They saw that as a place where they could refuel. They saw that as a place as a promise that said, "Hey, the battle's not over yet. The promised land—it's not just one little building. It's not just one little city. It's not just one county." Children of Israel were hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people, and so they knew when they kept saying, "We're going to the land of milk and honey. We're going to the land of milk and honey. We're going to the land of milk and honey." The milk and honey. They knew that it wasn't a stopping place. It was a rest stop because there was more coming. There were more nations to conquer. There were more lands to conquer. And let me tell you something, RAC, listen listen to me. Right now you can access honey because I do not want you to get comfortable. I do not want you to be like the children of Israel that said, we can't do this. Because the only way that we can see the revival that's been spoken into this church, the only way that we can see the revival that's been promised to us is if we get up off our, get up off our tails and we grab some honey and we go out there and fight. If we go out there and fight those lions because there are going to be people out there that can't do it. There are going to be people out there that don't know who God is. They don't know that there's a source of life here at this church and they're depending on us. That's why campus ministry is so important. That's why I do what I do. That's why Tafara does what she does. that helps with outreach, everybody that's ever spoken, everybody that's ever done anything, bought anything for the field. That's why we do it. We don't do it for ourselves. We don't do it for recognition. We're thankful for recognition. We're thankful for things like awakening that happen, but that's not why we do it. We do it because there are people on that campus that are hungry. We can't afford to be intimidated. So right now, I want you to join me down here and I want us to pray. And I want us to do a self-check. Some of you, some of you have gotten cocky like Samson did. Some of you are unarmed right now. Some of you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, what God called you to do, like David, but you're still being attacked. Some of you are like Beniah; You're just crazy and full of faith, and you're ready to fight some lions, but, but you want to get a little refill first. You want to get a little energy first. I want you to, I challenge you right now to just envision vessels and vessels of honey and vessels of fancy way of saying like a jar or a, or a container. I just want you to imagine honey right now. I just want you to imagine going and leaving this plate with armfuls of it and and everywhere that you go just being like, taste and see that the Lord is good taste and see that the Lord is good taste and see that the Lord is good because that's how we're going to see revival happen that's how we're going to see this church grow that's how we're going to see our youth group grow that's how we're going to see our children's ministry grow this place is not our home that's why it's called the promised land listen to me, we're getting honey because this building, it's not going to be enough of chairs, it's not going to be enough. That's why all this is, is just a little bit more energy. All this is, is just a little bit of a push because there are things that are going to be beyond this walls. We're going to be kicking down these walls. We're going to be going to different buildings. We're going to be traveling further and further and further. And so I challenge you today right now, just take some of that place right now. I want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch our hearts, our minds, and our spirits right now. Lord, we know, we believe we believe.